0: This is the best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at capitalfinancialusa.com. Before we get to Brendan Marks of the Athletic as the college basketball season begins tonight. The Carolina Panthers have made two coaching changes, Steve Wilkes relieving Evan Cooper, cornerbacks coach and defensive line coach Paul Pasqualoni. Of their duties today, so they're now three coaches down from where they four. Matt Rule, oh boy, plus uh, whoever was was it uh, Snow, Phil yeah, Snow, just defensive house. Like at some point they'll have no coaches left. Right, they're going to call me to come over it'll now. Be, it'll be Steve Wilkes, Holcomb, V to the Victoria, and <laughs> yeah. that's it. There you go. That's all we need. That is all they will have left. Isn't that interesting? All right, Brad, Brendan R. Marks on Twitter from The Athletic, who covers both the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils. I don't know how you're going to do that. Uh, let's let us start with what I believe is like an underrated preseason number one. Is that possible that North Carolina can be number one and still somewhat under underrated?
1: Yeah, totally. And I agree with you because I think a lot of people look at that and sort of apply the same logic as we did this time of year last year with UCLA. And people look at it and go, well, they were so good in the tournament, and yeah, sure, they're bringing back a lot of the pieces, and yeah, that makes sense. But then, you know, on the contrary, all the haters say, yeah, but they were so bad the whole year and they only got good at March. But I don't know. I I believe that North Carolina is a deserving number one. I think really what it comes down to is if you believe – in the changes Hubert Davis made at the end of last season, or if you think it was just a team that got hot at the right time of year?
0: I think both could be true, and that's sort of why I wanted to start with that, because I put myself in the camp of people who think that, look, I think logically UNC has to be the preseason number one. They got to the national championship game, Last year, and even though I do think that it was at least in part a hot streak, they got to the national championship game, and they bring back everybody but Brady Manic. and theoretically, in terms of an athlete and statistical shooter, they upgraded at the position with a veteran in Pete Nance, So, uh, and they should be deeper than they were a year ago. So I, I think you can point to the logic and say, yes, they should be number one. But I do think that some of last year was a hot streak and guys just kind of clicking at the right time, rebuilding and sort of getting back to that chemistry, I think will be a bit of a challenge. Yeah,
1: I, I would agree with you there. And, you know, look, like I, I try to rely on the analytics and try to rely on stats as much as I can. And from March 1st on, Bart Torvik, who I, I like his site a lot, yeah. a lot of people are familiar with Ken Palm, he's similar, um Prior to March 1st, BART had North Carolina as about the 35th best team in the country, which I feel like is probably pretty fair. Like, they weren't ranked, but they were still clearly a tournament team. Great. After March 1st, per BART's site, North Carolina had the number one efficiency in the country overall. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the reality is probably somewhere in the middle of the two. I I think that this is a team that, yes, has a ton of, ton of, ton of talent. Uh, Armando Baycott's going to be, you know, a contender for National Player of the Year. I think Caleb Love could be an All-American Um, Like you mentioned, Pete Nance comes in. I think he's a better overall player than Brady Manick was. But at the same time, yes, they they did get into a rhythm, and Hubert Davis basically said, listen, I'm not going to try and force anybody into the rotation that I don't have to. I'm only playing the guys that I trust. I think this year with the depth, yes, that's a blessing, but at the same time, he's got to resort out that rotation. And, you know, Leaky Black sort of said this in jest in the preseason, but – He's getting used to not necessarily playing thirty minutes a game anymore. <laughs> um, so I, I do think there's going to be some adjusting that takes his place there. I don't know that we're going to know what the rotation truly looks like until, shoot, probably January. Yeah. Um, but but I think you can make the argument either way. It just depends how you feel about North Carolina in general.
0: Brendan Marks is joining us here from the Athletic. The Tar Heels will open up against UNC Wilmington tonight, nine o'clock. Bothers me that we're playing games in the East Coast that start at nine o'clock, but that's fine. Uh, it's all for television, and we'll get to the uh, to the Duke seven o'clock game in a minute. I know you're a uh, you're a, a fan of and a colleague of Sam Vicini of the Athletic, who does most of their uh, most of the sites like draft and scouting work, and I think Sam is great been talking to Sam for a long time. Uh, he called Caleb Love his most, his favorite player to watch in college basketball. He is certainly, he runs the gamut. Uh, Caleb can be the, one of the best players to watch and one of the most painful at times. How does he become more of the former than the latter?
1: Yeah, I, I feel like uh, there's one of these guys in the triangle every couple of years where there's good player and bad player. Uh <laughs> So it's, it's Caleb's turn to sort of settle into that role. To me, I, I think the biggest thing, and I just worked on a feature on Caleb and got to talk to his trainer, Drew Hanlon, who you know works with Joel Embiid and, and Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum. The biggest thing for Caleb is decision-making. You know, I think we know that the guy can shoot the ball. He's got 36% from three. He hits the game winner over Mark Williams. That's not a problem. Uh, we've seen that he is capable of being aggressive and in scoring inside. We have seen that he is able to, you know when, when there are options around him, He's able to find his teammates. He's able to make those kickout passes. He had eight assists in the exhibition. I know take the caliber of competition with a grain of salt, but still, like, he can find his teammates. He has talent around him. Uh, the biggest thing is will he? <laughs> that, that, that is sort of the question. Is, is Caleb Love going to make the right decisions in terms of checking himself at times and saying, listen, I might be able to get a shot off here, but XYZ player has a wide open three in the corner, and I need to trust them. Um, you know, I can try and get to the rim here. Am I sure that I can? No. Uh, but I'm going to try anyways. Those are the decisions that he has to work out of his process. And I think he started to do that over the summer. But that, that, to me, is the biggest thing. That's the biggest way that we go from having good and bad Caleb Love to, as I'm sure UNC fans hope, mostly good Caleb
0: Blub. Yeah, and I, I want people to understand that if this is not I don't like him. Uh, this is, as a, as a player, and, and if I were a Tar Heel fan, there are moments where Caleb goes Caleb and he's going to be, he goes hero ball and he's going to try to do it all himself. And I think that's what you're talking about here. But when when, the, when one goes in, you're like, oh, just keep shooting. Because it doesn't matter where he is or who's near him. As soon as that one goes in, and these things seem to be late in in games, he could be 0 for for 11, and then he throws one in from 25, and you could just keep giving him the ball because the next five are going in.
1: I, I think one of my favorite stats about Caleb Love is that he had his three highest scoring performances of the season last year in the NCAA tournament, but then also went five of 24 in the national title game. Like, that is him. Like, that is him. He doesn't see defenders. Sometimes that's a beautiful thing, and sometimes it's the reason UNC loses games.
0: All right. But other than Armando Baycott, and I think what North Carolina has in him is the biggest sure thing in college basketball. But other than Baycott, other than Love, who is the dynamic offensive guy for UNC this year?
1: It's going to have to be RJ Davis, right? Like, I think we know that. You know, by this point, Leaky Black is not suddenly going to become no. a, a twenty-point per game scorer. <laughs> Love Leaky, but that's that's not his game. Uh, and Pete Nance is a really good complementary player. I, I just don't know that he's ever going to be better than like the fourth option on the court at any given time. Um, you know, he can do a little bit of everything, but maybe isn't truly excellent in any one category. And again, that is perfectly fine. Um, but to me, the biggest question I have about this team going into the season is three-point shooting. Because while you bring in Brady or you bring in Pete Nance to replace Brady, he is not the pure flamethrower that Brady Manic was. You know, right. by the end of last season, Brady Manic was averaging almost ten threes a game, uh, and making forty five percent of them. Yeah. Pete Nance isn't gonna do that. And quite frankly, there is no individual on this roster who's going to do that. I think the closest person who can come, you know, at least somewhat near to what Brady was doing in terms of three point volume and three point proficiency is RJ Davis. He's the leading returning three point shooter on the team. And so I think for me, you look at Caleb Love, he's going to be a force driving to the basket. Armando's going to be the garbage man inside. I think RJ really has to sort of be that dynamic lead guard on the perimeter and uh, be it creating for himself, you know, be it creating for others. I think we saw that the offense sort of took off last season when he was playing as more of a true point guard. He, he's going to have to sort of be the third musketeer for North Carolina to hit its offensive ceiling because, well, yes, bringing in Pete Nance is really nice. Uh, somebody's going to have to re- replicate some of that three-point volume. I, I think RJ is probably the best contender.
0: If Pete Nance were smart, and I assume he is because he went to Northwestern, uh, he would grow an orange beard. I would just do that <laughs> if I were uh, if I were Pete Nance. Brendan Marks from the Athletic is joining us. All right, how long do we give Duke? Because they're basically a hundred new players playing with Jeremy Roach. And there's two of their best missing already. How long do we give Duke before we kind of start judging what they look like? I think they could be really good, but I think it could take a long time.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I I think that, you know, at bare minimum, we can't judge them until both of the star freshmen who are currently injured are back. And I'm not expecting either one of them to play in the opener tonight. Um, You know, Derek Lively with a calf strain is much closer to being back than Derek Whitehead is, but like we're talking about the top two rated freshmen in the country, two yeah. guys who are both probably going to be lottery picks. Um, they like fundamentally changed the composition of this team. They they fundamentally changed how Duke's going to play this year. And they still haven't had a full practice with the full roster together. Yeah. Like it's not just that these guys are hurt and they're missing games. Like when they finally come back, it's quite literally going to be the first time all preseason or all season that John Shires had his full roster to work with. So, I don't know that, you know, Darik is going to be back in the next couple of weeks. I don't know that he's going to be available against Kansas for the Champions Classic next week. Um, but yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I think it's very, very feasible that we don't know what Duke looks like in full until mid January. And honestly, it could even be later than that.
0: They have so much size, it's kind of. Redu- I remember Duke teams that had no size. And now they have, I mean, I, I can't even say too much, but. They have they're they're like the old Carolina teams with seven footer after seven footer after seven footer.
1: Yeah, there's there's certainly going to be a lineup later on this season where Duke doesn't have anybody on the court who's shorter than um, six <laughs> five. You know, you can run a a, a Proctor Whitehead. Both of those guys are, or you can run a, a Proctor lineup as your point guard. He's six five. Whitehead is six seven. Mark Mitchell six eight, Kyle filipowski's you know, six eleven, Derek Lively seven one. You can play all those dudes together. Um <laughs> and like I, I'm just imagining like some of these poor non conference teams like tipping off against them, like just looking across at the sheer size they have. It's it's pretty foolish, but I think that's what John Shire wanted. He wanted versatility. So he's gonna be able to, you know, sort of plug and play these different dudes in the front court. He's gonna have a ton of different lineup permutations. Um you know, again, we haven't even seen what the the actual starting lineup might look like because these two guys have been hurt, Derek Lively and derek Whitehead. So, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I, I think flexibility is the name of the game, and having that many bigs who can he he can sort of shift around is sort of the key for John Shire.
0: In a way, is that I don't know? Could that work against the first year head coach? Like part of the part of the beauty of what Hubert Davis was able to accomplish last year was, and I'm not saying he couldn't have handled these decisions. That I'm I'm not in any way being disrespectful like that but it certainly eliminated the element of you know what combinations do i use i got six guys and they're gonna play as much maybe even less than that they're gonna play as much as they can until i need somebody to sit out now now shire's got i don't know 10 11 options when everybody's healthy Eight 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 four three zero
1: zero one three, 888-843-0013 or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment
0: advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor.
1: Yeah, he does. And and so I think that's going to be the thing. Is And that's probably one of the questions that I have and that I think a lot of people have about John Shire this season is like, when it comes time to cut the lineup from 11 to 8 or 11 to 7, is he going to be able to do that? um we saw hubert davis sort of struggle with that i think in like january of last year when he was still playing dawson garcia right. and when he was still playing justin mccoy and those guys and eventually he just had to be like look this is not happening i'm making the executive decision and john shire is going to have to he's going to hit that point at some point this season he's going to have to make that call and you know he's, he's never really had to be that guy before his personality i don't think is you know a lot of people say it's not nearly as fiery um so how he handles that crux of having to actually make tough decisions and enforce them, uh, I think could be the key to Duke's season. Because like you said, yeah, he, he can't realistically play eleven guys all the way through March.
0: I mean, it's it's just hard to. I, I remember when John Calipari tr- uh, tried to do the the line change, right? Where here's five, here's our next five. Ultimately, that gets that gets shortened, as you said, eight, maybe even seven, because when it comes time to winning, your best players have to stay on the court as much as humanly possible it's going to be hard to just narrow it down there are so many great players one final thing about duke and then we'll let, we'll let brendan marks go and the season starts tonight blue devils are at home to jacksonville Carolina's at home to unc wilmington the um the the way the the blue devils are has always been traditionally has been about defense has that been the singular focus for john during the lead-up to the start of this season?
1: I think it has been the, the biggest focus that he could possibly hope to have. Um, and he's been pretty transparent that, unlike last year, he doesn't have, like, the guy this season. There's not an overpowering, go-to physical presence. There's no Paolo. There's no mm-hmm. Zion. There's no Tatum. Like, that guy is not on this roster. And so when you know that you can't necessarily just rely on that guy come crunch time and you know that you have this many moving parts and you've had guys who are in and out of the lineup and Tyrese Proctor arrives late and things are constantly shuffling, what's the one thing that you try and really, really fall back on? And so for him, it's been team defense. And you saw that in the exhibition. For a team that has 11 new players, seven freshmen, only basically one guy back in Jeremy Rose who played minutes last season – it was pretty remarkable to see how well-connected they already were defensively. Again, grain of salt for the opposition. Right. Totally get that. Um, but but I think that has been his number one primary focus because he knows that he's not going to have that one offensive dynamo who does it every game. Some games, Jacob is going to be the leading scorer. Some games, it'll be Roach. Some games, it'll be Whitehead. Some games, it'll be Lively. It's going to change. The one thing that can't change this season is that consistency on defense, working together, making sure the Duke is sound with rotation. So so I understand why that's been the focus. And you talk to him, you talk to any player on the roster, they'll tell you the, the exact same thing. All
0: right, I'm going to ask you to uh, predict an over-under, and I'm going to give you the over-under at uh, eight, eight and a half games when John says we were knocked back or uses the word verve uh, or any Coach K uh, buzzword. I'm
1: taking the under emphatically. I'm slamming it. I'm absolutely <laughs> slapping the under. I, I, if, if that doesn't come next week against Kansas, I'll be absolutely shocked.
0: Brendan Marks, I appreciate your time, man. It uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, as uh, We will bug you as much as you will allow us to bug you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for the season to start and appreciate y'all having me.
0: You got it. Brendan Marks. Brendan R. Marks on Twitter from the Athletic Covers, the Tar Heels, and the Blue Devils. This is the story of the one.